Today we're going to be in Psalms 107. If you got a compass last week or maybe this morning, inside of there, that verse is uh, going to be what we look at. Now I know not all of you brought your compass. Some of you, I know you've been in the backyard practicing navigation and figuring out exactly how to use it. That's good. I'm going to need some help later. Some of you, I know, you went and took out a new safety deposit box at the bank. That's where your compass currently is. Just you wanted to protect this valuable gift that we gave you. And I, I, I just want to let you know I am very qualified to talk about a compass, okay? I spent like five years in Boy Scouts, so I know it. I heard in all right, if you know a lot about Boy Scouts, like there's levels that you move up through. My brother and I stayed at the bottom. We were there for the camping trips. We did as little as we could so that we could go camping and go have fun. I think we might hold the world record for longest in without actually accomplishing or much to our Scoutmaster dismay, learning anything. But I'm pretty sure I know how to use the compass. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> psalm 107. So this psalm is kind of a few different parts, and it's, it's a few different parts of the same thing. It goes into stories about people who sometimes they're following God, and then tragedy strikes. Sometimes they're in full-out rebellion, and then surprisingly tragedy strikes. And how do they respond? So we're going to pick up the fourth story like that. in Psalm 107, verse 23. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters, and they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. These merchants are not going to do anything wrong. Nothing that they do is going to cause a storm to come. They're just going to come up on one. But for right now, they're just in work mode. They're in everyday, normal life, where you might be tomorrow. You wake up, go to work. Some of our students, Tuesday, wake up, got to go back to school. I know my daughter is really excited for that. My nine-year-old slept till 11 a.m. yesterday. I'm like, "Mm, that's going to be hard this week. (laughs) You have kind of daily life. And in those moments, because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the storms. So let's be clear on the front end that in those moments, in daily, everyday, even seemingly mundane things, we need this compass. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit day in and day out all the time. Not just in hard moments, but even more so, especially in the regular moments, because those are going to be the most common times for us to engage with and encounter the Lord. That he is always at work in in difficult times, but in regular days. In fact, those are when we start to kind of establish the ways that we're going to connect with and relate to God. So it's so important in those moments, the regular, the mundane, the everyday, that we figure out how do I hear from the Lord? How do I develop good and healthy habits? Because you can have good situations, good circumstances, but have a bad compass, and you're still going to have some bad results. Your circumstances do not matter nearly as much as who's guiding you through them and as who is walking you through them, as who is your compass and who's setting the pace. And so the opposite's also true. You can have bad and hard circumstances, which we're gonna see happen to these sailors here in a moment. You can have bad 
circumstances. But a good guide, a good God, a good compass, and come out with really good moments. Come out seeing the faithfulness of God in great ways. So, the verses. They saw the works of the Lord, his wondrous deeds in the deep. And God spoke and stirred up a tempest. It lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens. And that part sounds good, but then the rest comes. Mounted up to the heavens and down to the depths. And in their peril, their courage melted away. We all face storms in life. They come. That's just kind of, you can assume that there will be hard times. Maybe not, you know, giant hurricanes like we just went to, but difficulties in life, ups and downs. Every year there are going to be good moments and bad moments. And, and in the story, story, they can come from a lot of different places. Here it says, uh, the beginning of verse 25, for he, that's God, for God spoke and stirred up the storm. Sometimes God allows a storm to come to do some work, as we're going to see in the lives of these sailors. Sometimes it's something that the enemy or, or is demonically led. I think we pretty confidently put Hurricane Ian in that category. Sometimes it's just like life happens, and, and you're just, it's just kind of happening around you, and it's going to be part of what we walk through. And, and so we know storms are coming. There's lots of reasons why, but it's never good to focus on why the storm has come. The better thing is to focus on what is God doing in the middle of it. Where is God in the middle of this storm? What are or what is he trying to lead us into, trying to teach us? And, and I think for, for these guys, it's at, it's at the end of verse 26. In their peril, their courage melted away. God is at work to do something. It's not what they expected, but God is going to work through the storm to get there attention, to get their focus. I love Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse 20. And in the end of Genesis, Joseph has been kind of talked about for 15 or so chapters, and he's, you might know a little bit of the story, he's sold into slavery by his brothers, uh, works his way up through the favor of the Lord, and kind of becomes one of the main leaders and overseers of Egypt, a different country, not where he's from. And there's a famine, and through words of the Lord, Joseph prepares the country. And so eventually, by the end, his brothers who sold him into slavery have to come before him and beg for grain and food so they can survive. And they find out who he is, and they're pleading and apologizing, and Joseph's response has it's just, it's always stuck with me so well. Genesis 50, verse 12, or verse 20, sorry, he says, uh, in verse 19, he, said, he says, I'm not in the place to judge you. That's, that's God's role. And he says in verse 20, for what you meant to harm me, God meant for good. Go through storms and wherever they come from, God is able to lead them to be something good in our lives, something that matters, something that changes, something that gives us that good direction to go in. And that is amazing. And it's needed, but it doesn't quite put the weight to where these sailors are. They mounted up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. This isn't me, Floridian landlover, 
on a boat in the middle of a storm, freaking out because I don't know what to do. This is merchants who live this way. They are always in storms. They are always on the sea. And this one is so bad that their peril, in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. It's important to get the weight of how difficult this moment is. I'm sure you've walked through some similar ones, but we've just, I just want to make sure we see it. I need, I need a little bit of help to see it. I need, um, you don't have to have a compass with you. I have one up here. But I need somebody who, can, who knows how to read a compass that I can borrow for a second. Come on. None, nobody in the room knows how to read a compass? Can't volunteer your spouse. That's not fun. <laughs> nobody knows how to read a compass. Come on. All right. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Paul's going to show me what's up. All right. It's not going to be like a super major hard test, but here, you, you take the compass. All right, so, so show me which way, you already, you're cheating. Uh, so let's go southwest. <laughs> southwest, where is southwest? Okay. Not, uh, not the canceled flights, but the actual direction. <laughs> southwest is this way. All right, all right. So, okay, so you, you got the arrow, you lined it up with north, and then you can tell. All right, so northeast, which way is that? that way. The exact opposite. I gave you an easy one. All right, all right. Let me see if I can make it a little bit. It's too easy for you. So. All right, let me hand you that back. Are you in a splash zone? You, you're good? All right, all right, sorry. There's a lot of compass juice that comes out when you do that, and uh, thankfully I practiced beforehand. I didn't want to embarrass myself. And I knew, so I knew to move my Bible. Um, I don't know what it is. It's compass juice. Uh, here, here, here. Uh, which way is south now? It, uh, you still actually have a needle. It didn't, it, oh, but oh, it doesn't but spin. It doesn't, have enough, uh, it doesn't show us to, yeah. so it's a little bit harder to use now. <laughs> yeah. It right? Is. It's not going to work quite as, as well. Okay, I all right. I can right. move it around. But it's not, it's not actually correct anymore. <laughs> correct. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, thank you. Broke my compass, man. Thank you, Paul, teaching us how to use the compass. So, so I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to do silly things. So it's not like for these sailors that their compass is a little bit difficult to see and read in this moment. They've got nothing. Their compass is broken, destroyed. How do you find the next steps then? When they've lost all their courage, they physically cannot even stand anymore. And they are at their wits end. How do we still find direction from the Lord then? How do we get to where he wants us to go? And I think there's a few things that we need to have so that way we can know the right way, the right path. Because even if it's just a little bit off, even if your compass is just a little bit wrong and you use it to navigate, just across this room, you'd be off by a couple of feet just from your compass being one degree off. But if you tried to go around the world from here and your compass was one degree off, you'd end up in Atlanta. 
It makes a big difference. If you're going to go far, if you're going to travel far, having your compass point you in the right direction really matters. So when the compass is broken, how do you get through? How do you survive? And as I talked about this with uh, Pastor Charles uh, on Friday, just kind of talking through this message, we were talking through, so you kind of go through like, all right, so what are, what are some of the biggest storms in life that I've walked through? And if you know my story for me, that was my dad passing away when I was 21. Um, just kind of the timeline for that was late January, my dad started getting some headaches, I got engaged, and then he got diagnosed with brain cancer. All of that was within about two, three weeks that that happened. And surgeries come out of that, mostly paralyzed uh, on his left side, chemo, radiation, rehab hospitals, and then three months after his surgery, he would pass away. Biggest storm I've been through. Biggest storm my family has been through. Um, most painful things that we have walked through. And in those moments, I mean, I don't know that our compass even looked this good. <laughs> it was destroyed. It was gone. It was broken. And everything that we knew to do was really difficult. And so as I was talking about this with Charles, we started thinking about it in a little bit of a different way than I've, in the last 13, 14 years, that I've ever thought about some of those moments. And started thinking about it from just what I watched my dad do. Not the grief, not the pain, not the difficulties, but it actually became a fun thing to kind of think back and look back and celebrate the ways that my dad handled those storms. Because I got to learn a lot from watching him in that. At no point in those months did my dad ever lose faith or hope in the Lord. In fact, in the rehab hospital, with half of his body paralyzed, he still had us bring him his laptop and go find a printer that he could plug in in the hospital so that he could still do his work for the church that he was supposed to be doing. Think you're good to focus on some other things right now. But no, he had his mission still. And although the storms were swirling around him, he still had a focus on how can I serve? How can I bless? How can I care for others? Uh, my dad was, was always a really good encourager. He'd be very good to, he's a, a good, faithful friend. I've had people in this church like you, Ray, that I'll, I'll mention in this story, show me like their phone, had like my dad's contact info saved in there. It said like, call if you ever need anything. Really good, faithful friend. This was, this was my dad. In a lot of ways, I'm like him. I didn't, don't really have the encouragement quite as much as, uh, as he did. It can be a little bit rougher there. But uh, I, I remember one time, this is later on, because uh, we, with the his paralysis and stuff, we were, he was always with somebody. We were always there to help him and, and care for him. And, and so later on, I think uh, it was because we were getting married as well. I think my wife had a um, bridal shower or something like that. My mom couldn't be there. And so I sat with my dad for the day. And it was a great day. We watched, watched a lot of tennis, hung out, had fun. But he needed help. If he had to go to the restroom, I had to help him. So brought him in. Um, they, whatever, finish, got to get him up. Now, I know 
I'm 35 now, I was 21, and I know I am the picture of physical fitness and strength <laughs> now. But back then, I was even a lot smaller, if that's possible. Uh, so I had to help my dad stand. He, he could barely walk with a walker and, and, uh, and everything. And so help him, try to, <laughs> try to help him stand up and get to the walker. And it didn't go very well. I may have fallen down, may have dropped him, may have tumbled down to the ground together. Wasn't a great moment. Uh, but even in a moment like that, which you, know, you think about for a father, it's, it's already a humiliating situation, and then your stupid kid drops you and all that. <laughs> and so he says to me after I, I, I get him all settled and I'm apologizing and everything, and, and, and he looks at me and says, no, 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 it's, it's okay, you did great. Even, even just as we fell, how you twisted so that you would land under me and protect me, thank you. And I'm like, man, I appreciate the encouragement, but let's be honest. Gravity was doing its thing, and I had zero control in those moments. But even in a really rough moment, Dad is still encouraging me and saying, hey, thank you, you took care of me. He was still full of God's spirit, even in the darkest and most difficult of times. And the reason that he was like that, the reason that he was able to still have hope and faith was that in the years before this, him and my mom had already built paths to relate to the Lord. So when their compasses were smashed and they didn't know the directions, their feet knew the way to walk. Their feet still knew how to get back to God. Every day growing up, I'd wake up and see my parents at the kitchen table with their Bibles out reading and praying to God. And so when the storm hit, they already knew the paths to walk, to connect to God to hear him speaking into their lives. Growing up for my brother and I, it wasn't a question, are we going to church on Sunday? We went to church. And then we went to youth group on Wednesday. And then wherever their small group was, we went there as well. It's just, this is what we're going to do. I went to countless houses with my parents in Kentucky where there's basements that are unfinished. So they just kind of chuck all the kids down there and literally, literally lock the door. Like, all right, we're going to spend some time with Jesus for the next 90 minutes. Kids, don't die. <laughs> but this is how I grew up. And so when dad's paralyzed, need meals, need care, need help, the small groups that my parents had been a part of, those people were there. They were showing up. They were bringing meals. They were caring for us. They were walking through these moments with us. Not because my parents had done great things in the lives of these people, excuse me, but because they'd been walking with them for years. And so the things that they had done, the habits they had done, had worn paths for them to walk in these moments of difficulties. Started by talking about the sailors in the mundane going about their work and why that matters. And that matters because in those moments you set up habits or pathways that you will walk when you go through storms. When your compass is destroyed. And you'll be able to walk that way and still follow the way that God has for you because you know it. 
Another thing that happens in these moments is when my compass is broken, I can come alongside other people who have a functional working compass. And they can help guide and walk me through it. This is why we do small groups in our church. Because in those groups, you get to develop relationships with other people who when the storm comes and your compass is broken, they can walk with you. That when you're at your wit's end, and maybe it doesn't have to be like a big life-changing storm. Maybe you just have little kids. And if you have little kids, you're at your wit's end. I get it. It's okay. We've walked through that. And in those moments, you can be around others who can encourage you and walk beside you. Say, hey, I know it's difficult to see the path to walk, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be there every step of the way. I talk about groups because our groups are actually actually relaunching in a few weeks. And if you need some relationships in your life, now is the time to start building them to start engaging with other people who can help walk you through difficult times, right? Same as these other pathways. You build those relationships before the storm and then they walk with you throughout the difficult moments because if your compass is messed up, maybe they can give you, lend you theirs to help you get through, to help you know the way to go, to help you be able to see this is where God has for me to walk. None of us walk alone. We don't get through those difficult moments on our own strength, but with the help of others. Now, if you're already in a storm, how do we, how do we handle that? So just back in Psalm 107, uh, verse, let's jump back in at 26, just to make sure we got the context of how difficult it is. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. So verse 28, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. They cried out to him and he brings them out. He stilled the storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea were hushed. I love this, that they cried out to God. Even if you have no history with the Lord, in the middle of a storm, you can still cry out to him, and God is always quick to answer. Now, the better pathways that you build, the better kind of habits that you set in place, the easier it becomes to hear the Lord and respond to him and walk, at, walk with him through difficult things. But even at our worst moments, God will always show And it's, in fact, in those lowest moments that we can see the grace of God the most. But if we keep trying in our own strength, if these sailors keep fighting in their own courage, then they're going to continue to walk down or be thrown around in this storm and not see what God's wanting them to see. I wish wish verse 28 came earlier. Like, you need to move that verse a little bit earlier. Earlier, put it in verse 25, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest, and then immediately they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of hard-headed, and it usually takes a while for me to get things in the right order. I usually have to go through some of the storm before it's like, all right, right, I need to cry out to the Lord. I need to be with 
God, I need his guidance in the middle of this, not my own strength. Not my own courage, not my own wisdom. But it's too easy to try to stand on my own feet. Try to. It usually doesn't work until I am reminded I need to cry out to him. In verse 29, he stilled the storm to a whisper. And hopefully you have a Bible that has cross-references. And what that is, so in the middle of my Bible, there's a column with a bunch of other verses. So where it says, he stilled the storm, there's a little T right there. And it brings me to Matthew 8 or Luke 8 or Mark 4, which Bill is going to put up on the screen for us. Uh, because it, it goes, it ties into another story that I want to look at in, uh, in, in Mark chapter 4. That you probably know that Jesus is with his disciples. They decide to go across the sea to the other end of the Sea of Galilee. If you go to Israel, you get to take this boat ride without the storm. Don't, don't, without the storm. Uh, questionable time to bring that up. Mark 4, 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This is Jesus and his disciples. Verse 38. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown. Now, the disciples have been with him for years. They should know that they can trust where Jesus is. They should know that if Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm, we're going to be all right. That the Holy Spirit is going to be with us, that God will protect us, but they don't. And when I go through storms in my life, after having been with Jesus for so long, you would think that I should know a little bit better than I do. Now, I know I'm in good company because it's the same for you. No offense. We should know better. But this is what anxiety and fear and just a lack of faith do. The disciples wake Jesus up and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Say, God, where are you? Are you paying attention? If you're a good father, why am I going through this difficulty? Why is this storm raging around me? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Maybe you've been to some of these moments where we start accusing back at Jesus, saying, aren't you paying attention? And this is what self-pity will do. It'll convince us that God isn't there, that he doesn't care, that he isn't paying attention. But in verse 39, Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. I think he probably said it to the disciples as well. Quiet, be still. And then the winds died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you not still do you still not have faith? They'd been around. They'd seen the goodness of God, but they hadn't fully pulled it in to themselves yet. And I think this moment probably changes the way that they face future challenges, right? They now, they've, they, they might get it a little bit more, although they still 
get afraid. They still scatter at difficult times, but their faith starts to rise that they've seen God come through in the storm. They've seen God make a difference, and it changes the way that you face the future storms after you've walked through them. Watching my dad walk through his storms, it changes the way that I face my future storms because I know that he's been faithful, that he isn't going to fail, that in fact he's going to respond and calm the storms, calm the seas, and say, be still. And that faith to know that is built in the moments that you have every day of seeing him show up, seeing him work. So back in Psalm verse 28, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm, just like Jesus did. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. And that's so good. That's the verse that's inside that compass. He guided them to their desired haven. You will go through storms in life. The way that we handle those moments will really matter. Hopefully you've built up some good paths. Hopefully you have some good people around you that can share a compass, share some guidance, share the pain in those moments, if you will. And then after you cry out, God shows up. He strips away those things that we need to lose. For the the sailors, they needed to lose their courage. They needed to see that God was faithful. It wasn't just about their own abilities, their own wisdom, their own strength, that they needed to rely on God. They come around, they do rely on God, and then, and then, they get some gladness. It grows calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. I love this, that through God showing up, their storms become gifts for them to appreciate and enjoy. Because when you've worked for something, when you've gone through it, you realize how much more valuable it is, right? Them on a regular day just getting into port is great. Job's done. That's cool. Let's move on. But don't you think they went home with a greater appreciation of everything around them because God had shown up and stepped in and saved them? Your storms can become gifts and blessings in your life when you let God work in the middle of them. But who got them there? What does the verse say? Who got them there? I need your help. I can't read it anymore. Tell me. God. It says he guided them. It didn't get calm and then the sailors say, all right, God, thank you. Got the compass. We'll get there on our own from here. No, he calms the storm and he continues to guide you forward. These compasses, his Holy Spirit in our lives, it's not just for during the storm. It's not just for during the time of crisis that we need to rely on him and ask him to lead us and let him guide us. We need to do that in the good times, the regular times before the storm build up some pathways. During, we cry out and say, God, I need you. And then after, we don't take the wheel back. We don't take the compass back and say, all right, God, thanks, bye, I'm going my own way. You do that, you're going to drive yourself right into another storm. But if we can let him continue to guide us, 
then those storms become some of the greatest moments and memories in our lives because we look back and say, I see God every step of the way. How do, we, how do you kind of really pull that into your life? Let me read verse 30 and then the, through 32. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of people and praise him in the council of the elders. That if we cry out in the middle of the storm for God to help, then after the storm is gone, we continue to cry out. But this time, we're crying out praise. We're crying out celebration. We're crying out the good news that God showed up and brought me safely to the desired haven, to exactly where I needed to be. This is how we respond in those moments. And that response, that prayer, that, that celebration, that praise, then helps to build in more, right? The disciples, Jesus says to them, you still don't have faith? What he means is, you've walked with me. You've seen me do these miracles. You should have some trust in me by now. And we get that trust by seeing God show up and then by celebrating how faithful he has been. Don't move on too quickly from a storm. Look back, marinate over it, see how good God has been, and let him continue guiding through and after the storm. So we're going to close with some worship, and we're going to do a few things during worship. I'm going to invite some of our prayer team up to the cross, because you might be in the middle of the storm, and it might be time for you to cry out. Maybe you've been going in your own strength, and you've got to set that down. Set your own abilities down and cry out to God. And so we'll have, and when we get into worship, we'll have people at the cross who would love to pray with you. They'll cry out to God with you for his presence and grace to show up in your life. Not by yourself, but with others. Maybe you're in a spot where you just need to celebrate the goodness of God. And so as Kelly and the team lead us here, we'll be able to do that, to celebrate how good God has been, whether that's in the last three months or the last three years, the last three hours. Celebrating his goodness matters so much to us. That's what the psalmist says. Let them extol, let them proclaim, let them praise. And so that's gonna be how we close. So let me invite you to stand up with me at home, join us in doing this as well. And if our prayer team, I know some of you are over here, prayer team over at the cross, if you need some prayer while we're worshiping, come, come receive some prayer. But we're gonna celebrate how good God has been.